0: Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org. Join us now as Pastor Keith Moore shares today's message. Well, it's man month once again at uh, here at Dogwood Church. Last summer, uh, when June rolled around, we declared it man month. We, You know, Father's Day falls right in the middle, so why not? I uh, figured we men need a little more work than everybody else, so rather than a day, we're going to take a month uh, to work on us. And uh, so we are still actually going to go to the book of Proverbs because there's much in the book of Proverbs that speaks to, uh, to the uh, life condition of, uh, of us men. But I, wanna, I need to let all of you in on a secret. Uh, everything that I'm going to talk to the men about today... It will apply to everybody. So, yes, it will. But, but the men are going to take it on the chin. How's that? Uh, we, we're going we're to uh, lead with those guys. Uh, just to uh, give you a heads up about next week, we're going to go to the book of Proverbs and see what it says about how to drink like a man. So, if you want to know what that says, then uh, grab a bud, I mean a buddy, and bring him. And uh, we're going to see what it has to say about that. Uh, today we're taking a look at uh, the issue of anger. Now, there's so much about anger in the Scriptures that I don't have time to deal with it all. Uh, for, for example, uh, not all anger is sin. Not all anger is sinful. In fact, there's much anger uh, that is holy and righteous and good and Christ-like. Uh, God does not desire... For those of us who struggle with sinful anger, His ideal is not no anger. That's just as bad. Do you realize that... You know, there are people who, who say frequently, I just... I can't... I can't bear to think about a A, ra- a God of wrath. I'm even seeing it in contemporary evangelicalism. I'm seeing it in some of the worship songs, taking out the, the wrath of God. We say, well, I, don't wanna, I want a God of love. You don't, we don't understand. The reason that God can be loving is that He's wrathful. The reason that He is wrathful is because He's loving. He's always angry at the right time for the right reasons in the right way. But uh, the reason He's angry is because He loves us. And uh, there's some uh, things that are so valuable that when... People are hurt and abused and uh, and being destroyed. That he loves them enough, he's angry about it and wants to do something about it. Um, matter of fact, if the opposite of love is not hate, the opposite of love is apathy. I don't care. I don't care. When you find yourself being angry, it's because you love something. Now. Sinful anger means you love the wrong things. So let's see. So we we don't have time to deal with the good anger. We're jumping right into the sinful, guys. So buckle up. You Ready? Chin straps. Here we go. Uh, because we're experiencing a, an epidemic of sinful anger in our country. We're experiencing a, an epidemic of uh, sin, sinful anger uh, in our community, right here in our own community. For example, I checked in with our... Um, um, Magistrate Court this week, just ask about incidents of domestic violence. Listen to this, jot this down. Last year, 3,193 domestic violence calls were received in Fayette's 24-hour crisis call center. Uh, that's the result of sinful anger, 3,193 right here in our community. Uh, last year, in the last 12 months, over 300 temporary protective orders were filed in our area as a result of domestic violence. People in the same household being so ang- sinfully angry with each other uh, that it was spilling out into verbal and physical uh, abuse. We we've got a we've got a, a, a anger problem now. I hesitate to use that example because not all of you are smacking your spouse or your kids, uh, and you'll think, "Well, good, I'm good." No, we're we have problems. We're in a sinful uh, anger epidemic. So, uh, anger is the root of all this. So you might say, if I ask you, "Well, define anger," you might say, like many of us do about many things. Well, I, I can't. Define it, but I know it when I see it, right? Looks something like this, maybe, on the screen. Not me. Yeah, there you go. Looks like, let's leave him up there a moment. Uh, looks, uh, looks a little bit like that. Listen to the wo- Proverbs chapter 27 verse 4 says it this way. Fury is cruel, and anger, a flood. Well, if this is anger, then we've got a problem in that the anger epidemic is caused by us. Uh, we tend to have a sinful anger problem. We're sinfully angry as, as a people. So what is an angry person? Let's describe it let's, and let's see how we measure up. Let's go to the book of Proverbs. Now, as I've been saying over the past few weeks, I'm going to run back and forth through the book of Proverbs. So you're going to need to jot down these references and look them up for yourself. Take your note sheet, grab a pen, grab your Bibles... And you can check these later. Well, God says in the Scriptures in the book of Proverbs, first of all, an angry person is a fool, is a foolish person. They act foolishly. Uh, It says they are hot-headed and uncontrollable. Listen to this, Proverbs chapter 29, verse 11 on the screen says it this way, a fool gives full vent to his anger. Now, our culture has said, people need to let it out. You know, go hit something. Uh and, and you I, I Googled um Alan I Googled this week rant site websites. I just put rant websites. I got over forty eight million hits. It used to be just the news local newspaper. The vent. That's good for us, right? No. All research shows. That venting of anger increases anger in the individual and in the culture. And so if you have anything to do with any publication, whatever you do, go to the editor and say, please, let's take any opportunity to vent, no matter how many papers it sells, and no matter how entertaining it is, take it out of the paper. We are ruining our community. But a fool gives full vent. To his anger, Proverbs twelve sixteen sit on the screen. Read it with me. Here we go. Good voice. Ready? A fool is what? Quick tempered. Quick tempered. Now that Hebrew phrase is literally translated uh, uh, short uh, fused. I mean short. Uh, um, yeah, short fused. Uh, the hot tempered man is called literally translated the heated man. The heated man. Uh, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 17 says it this way A quick tempered man acts foolishly. Proverbs 14, 16 says, A fool is easily angered and is careless. Proverbs 14, 29 says it this way A quick tempered one promotes foolishness. Not only are they acting foolish, they promote it, they increase foolishness. So at least five times in the book of Proverbs alone, uh, the Bible says that, a, that an angry person, the way you can tell them, is they behave foolishly. And, and we've all experienced it when we become sinfully angry. We, uh, our anger clouds our judgment. It, it robs us of all sense of perspective. And so we react and we act recklessly in ways uh, all out of proportion to the situation and probably unpredictable ways that when it's all over, we ourselves will regret and do regret. We fly off the handle. A hothead is quick to take an offense. She is easily insulted. He is swiftly provoked. He is instantly irritated. A hothead has a short fuse. And when it comes to anger, he can go from zero to 60 in two seconds. They will flare up and lash out with abuse and violent words and actions. Even when they cool down, there is a smoldering grudge that is held on to. An angry person is a thin-skinned, short-fused anger bomb always ready to explode. Does this sound like you? Would the people where you live be thinking of you right now? If they heard these words, your family members, your neighbors, would the people where you work, if they were hearing this description, be thinking of you? Would they be saying, wow, I know somebody like that. I work with somebody just like that. Would they be thinking of you? Um, an angry man acts like a fool, and an angry person makes a fool of themselves where they live and where they work and where they play. But that's not all. Also, a hothead, number two, causes trouble. Jot that down. Causes trouble. You know, it takes two to make a fight, but I discovered by personal experience it only takes one to stir up a hornet's nest. Only takes one. It it only takes one hot-headed, quick-tempered, easily angered, careless fool to cause all kinds of trouble, all kinds of conflict, all kinds of strife. Look at this, Proverbs chapter 15, verse 18 on the screen says this, a hot-tempered man stirs up conflict. Proverbs 12, uh, 10, 12 says it this way, hatred stirs up conflict. So so how does this work itself? Let's talk about this a second. How might this work itself out where you work in your vocation? Well, let me ask those of you who are employers or bosses or owners or or managers. You have direct... Uh, reports. Are you a hot-headed, quick-tempered nuclear reactor boss? And is that how you manage people? Well, if you are, you are consistently creating more conflict and strife that is destructive and you're destroying your team and you're destroying your very own profits. You're cutting your nose off despite your own face. Well, let me ask those of you who work for people. You're an employee or you're a team member. Are you always stirring up conflict in your department or on your team? always assuming the worst, always, always ascribing low and, and destructive motives to the people around you and then stirring it, uh, stirring it up, always igniting bad feelings toward the management or toward the owner. Well, here's what the Scriptures say about it in Proverbs 29, verse 22. Proverbs 29:22 says this, An angry man stirs up conflict, and a hot-tempered man increases rebellion. There may be rebellion there, but a hot-tempered man, a hot-tempered woman, increases rebellion. So let's think about that a moment. How might this work itself out where you live? I was talking to a, a counselor, marriage and family counselor, several years ago after a, a couple's marriage had dissolved. They were very close to me. I had actually performed their wedding ceremony uh, years earlier, and the marriage had disintegrated. And it was over a rage issue. And one of them had a problem with red-faced rage, this explosive sinful anger. And I, both Christians, both did all the preparation. And so I went to my counselor friend and I said, just help me, bump, help me unpack this as a pastor. And he said, well, Keith, here's the deal. It, I don't care how many people are Christians... If there's rage in a relationship, relationships can only survive a certain amount of rage and then they will disintegrate. It is inevitable. It is inevitable. So men, let me ask you a question. What's it like for your sons uh, and your daughters or your daughters to be on the other end of you? Week in and week out and year after year after year because if they have been the recipients of your red-faced rage over the years, the chances of them rebelling against you are very, very high. Remember, as we said, a hot-tempered man increases rebellion in others and they increase rebellion against themselves. And if it's a dad or a mom to children, you're increasing the rebellion in your children to yourself. The relationship will not... Will not handle it at home. Proverbs fifteen, verse one. Take a look at that. Proverbs fifteen, one says, "A harsh word stirs up wrath." You see it there. Harsh words stir up wrath. I, uh, there, there, I, I would agree with our culture to say there's no re, there's no excuse, no good reason for a, a, a husband to ever strike his wife. So let me get that out right. You, 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 you there? But I've dealt with couple after couple who, who uh, had a man. Most men are, are verbally inferior to their wives, right? Yeah, we're verbally... Most men can't think on their feet as quick as their wives either, right? I can't tell you the number of couples I've come where, where the, the wife in the family was the hothead. She was short, easily angered, quick-tempered, a heated woman... And she would beat the tar out of him with her words, harsh words. What did they do? What did I say? Harsh words do what? Harsh words do what? Harsh words do what? And she would keep it up and keep it up. And he, he was tongue-tied. He, and the only thing finally he would do was then his cork would pop. And what would he do? He'd smack her. And she'd come running to me telling me what a terrible husband he was. Well, yeah, that's bad. But shut up. Now let's deal with him because he needs, that's sinful anger too. But my soul, harsh words stir up anger. Hot headed, quick tempered, short fused, careless fools can and do disturb even entire cities. Take a look at this. Proverbs 29, verse 8 says, Mockers inflame a city, and we have seen that over and over in our culture. We've seen it this last year in Ferguson and in Baltimore. Uh, throwing emotional gasoline onto smoldering anger always ignites more more and more problems. Proverbs 30, 30 verse 33 says it this way, "...for just as the churning of milk produces butter, Turning churning milk produces butter. It is inevitable. And just as the twisting of a nose draws blood, you twist a nose, it is inevitable. It's going to draw blood. The stirring up of anger produces strife. Hotheads not only make fools of themselves and cause trouble and lots of it, but the news gets worse. Uh, those of us who are hotheads, those of us who are quick-tempered, those of us who are easily angered, suffer at our own hands. We bring problems on ourselves. We heap pain and sorrow on ourselves. We set in motion consequences uh, that we will suffer. We, 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 we create a debt that we will have to pay. Hotheads suffer at their own own hands. Uh, Proverbs chapter 19, verse 19. Take a look at this. I think we've got it on the screen. Do we have that one? Proverbs 19, 19 says, A person with great anger bears the penalty. That means a person who is a hothead, they will pay the price. Now they cause suffering for people and cultures, but they will pay a terrible price. Uh, This uh, inventing, no matter where it is, will cause this. Last year... A young British man vented online one of these rant sites in Great Britain. He was frustrated that the local airport was closed due to weather, and so he tweeted, and I quote, If this if this airport will not open soon, I'm gonna blow the airport sky high. Well, that was more than just a poor choice of words in a moment of sinful anger. It it brought it didn't bring the opening of the airport, it brought the British police. and uh, and the national security officials, and he was arrested under the uh, United Kingdom's uh, Terrorism uh, Act, and his face was spread all over the world on the Internet and his name, and he suffered great penalty all because of a moment of sinful anger. Uh, Angry people act foolishly. They... They cause a lot of trouble. They suffer at their own hand. And they're also unhealthy. It's unhealthy to be sinfully uh, angry. Proverbs fourteen thirty, the last part of this phrase says it this way, runaway emotions corrode the bones. Uh, that, was a, that was a phrase that meant it, 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 it impacts our health. It makes us sick. Uh, the Better Health Channel I found an article on the Better Health Channel uh, that stated just a few of the short- and long-term health problems caused by sinful anger. Headaches, uh, digestion problems, ulcers, insomnia, increased anxiety, depression, high blood pressure, skin problems, heart attack, and stroke. Uh, so if you're quick-tempered, if you're, men, if you're a quick-tempered man, if you're a short-fused man, if you're a heated man, uh, you're a danger not only to others, you are a danger to yourself. Uh, and not just receiving the passive health problems, but sometimes you get proactive and hurt yourself. I, I knew a man, he's in heaven now, I knew him personally, who had a short fuse. He was a short-fused man. One day he was sitting uh, at an intersection at a traffic signal Waiting for the red light to turn green in heavy traffic, and the light turned green. And guess what happened? What do you think happened? The guy behind him did what? Blew the the light, turns green. Are you one of those? You know, he was angry too. I mean, it's not even you can't even say G R E E N, it's G R A. Well. It made him so angry he slung hit the door of his car open and he stormed out, went back grabbed the handles gonna yank the door open, but the guy locked the, the door and made him so so he backed up and he kicked the door so hard he broke his own leg. You're a danger to yourself. It's unhealthy. It is unhealthy. But also the scriptures say in Proverbs that you are if you're short fused, if you're quick tempered, if you're easily angered, if you're a careless, angry fool, you are it is because you are almost defenseless, seemingly helpless against the destructive, out of control emotion of sinful anger within you, and the temptations and the opportunities that seem to, to trigger it. Listen to this. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28 says it this way A man who does not control his temper is like a city whose wall is broken down. God compares him to an ancient city whose wall is, is broken down and fallen in, and the, the city and the communities covered with the scattered ruins of, of that wall, chunks of that wall. You see, in the ancient world, a city's wall was its most valuable source of protection uh, from harm. Uh, The city walls were also a source of great pride. The city walls and the city gates were a source of great, great pride of the citizens of the city. It gave them security. It gave them high quality of life. Uh, The ancient Greek historian... Herodotus in 450 B.C. wrote about the walls of the city of Babylon. They were considered one of the seven wonders of the great world. He described them as being 56 miles long and 80 feet wide. He said two four-horse chariots could pass on the top of that wall. And in in some places, he said the wall was 320 feet high. It was considered the most secure city in the world at the time. But yet when those walls were broken down, when those walls were left uh, to themselves and they they crumbled when they fell or when they were uh, destroyed, the the people were defenseless. And wild animals could come in and out, and thieves and robbers could come in and out, and invading armies could come in and out and kill and steal and destroy. Now, let me see your eyes a second. God says that the short-tempered, easily angered, quick-tempered, hot-headed, careless fool of a man is like a city whose walls have been torn down. And if you look at your life, it is littered with destroyed marriages and families and friendships and jobs and health. Almost defenseless. So that they find themselves saying, watch out now, I can't help it. You say that? I can't help it. It's just the way I am. It's just the way I am. It's just the way I was raised. I can't help it. I'm redheaded. I can't help it. I'm Irish. I can't help it. I'm a hot-blooded Italian. We even start blaming it on our race. I can't help it. You make me so mad. They make me... It's out there. You start saying, I, I, I can't help it. I'm, this is just the way I'm going to be. Is that you? Is that you? Because that's not true. So you say, well, pastor, what can I do about my anger? Is there any hope for me? I mean, God said here that you're almost defenseless. Can I ever become a cool-headed person? A slow-to-anger person? because that's God's ideal, that's what Jesus was. And we read the Scriptures in Joel in our prayer time that God is slow to anger and quick to forgive, but not that He has no anger. If we're going to be like Jesus, we'll be slow to anger, very slow to anger, and we'll only be angry for the right reason at the right time in the right way, usually when it has nothing to do with us. Can I ever become that? can I ever become rather than hot-headed cool headed a self-controlled person well uh, you are powerless on your own you are powerless on your own but I do have good news for you you can change you can be changed you can be changed now I need again I need to I'm going to give you the very beginning of change i'm not going to some of you if you are a habitually short tempered hot Headed, angry, sinfully angry person. That means that anger, sinful anger, is probably has a stronghold in your heart and in your soul. It's what the Bible, it's what the old writers would call a a a besetting sin. It means it's got you. I mean, it's you are in its clutches. It means that you are a slave to sin. Well, you you've got you're gonna you're gonna be on a journey. Uh, and, and there's more that the scriptures say about how to put to death sin than what I'm going to tell you here. But let me, first of all, clear out two things. Our culture says that you deal with anger from a therapeutic manner. You're sick, there's something wrong with you, you just need therapy. It's not what the scriptures say. Anger is not a sickness. Some of our brothers and sisters say it, it's demonic. You are demonized. You have a demon of anger. No, it's not what Scriptures say. God says it, sinful anger is a moral act that, of which you are responsible to God and to others. And the only thing that we do to cure us from sin is repent. Write down that word in capital letters, R-E-P-E-N-T. Some of you aren't writing. Repent! You must repent of your sin, and so and 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 this is an ongoing thing. Let me let me give you a book that'll be hard to read, but it'll be a great help. It is called "The Mortification of Sin." Can you spell mortification? I cannot. I can say it, but I cannot spell it. "The Mortification of Sin" by uh, one of the Puritan writers, John Owen. I see some of you smiling. You know the book, John Owen. You're looking at me. You're not writing that down. Because, again, if you've got sinful anger as a stronghold, you're going to need to walk the path that Owen, ta- Owen takes the Scriptures and he gives us the path to take with God to be set free from a besetting sin, a stronghold in our hearts and in our souls. So you're going to need more than what I'm going to tell you today, but I'm going to give you the beginning. Now, all that being said, here's the beginning. It all starts with ours. Maybe that'll help you remember it. You receive Jesus Christ and be saved. You recognize your anger. You repent of your anger. You renounce the devil and you rely on the Holy Spirit. Now let me explain those quickly and I'll give you time to write those down. First of all, the beginning of all this is to receive Jesus Christ and be saved. And be saved. Come to Christ. You don't do anger management. You don't do sin management. You don't don't rely on willpower. You don't say, I can do this on my own. I don't need God. No, you can't. Yes, you do. No, you can't. Yes, you do. Listen to this. Paul himself writing to Titus in chapter 3, verse 3 through 5. Titus chapter 3, verses 3 through 5 says this, For we too were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by various passions and pleasures, living in malice and envy. Malice means radical anger. Living in malice and envy, hateful, detesting one another. But when the kindness or the grace that we sang about earlier, this grace in which I stand, but when the kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to His mercy through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Now look at me one more time. You are hot-headed because you are sinful-hearted. Don't forget it. You are hot-headed because you are sinful-hearted. You have a heart that is dead in trespasses and sins. You need a new spirit. You need a new heart. Uh, that's what regeneration is. When we are saved, the first thing Christ does is He gives us a new heart, He creates a new heart. Uh, within is a transformed heart. When you receive Christ as Lord and Savior and commit your life and eternity to Him, He gives you a new heart and He gives you the indwelling presence of His own Holy Spirit to be at work in you, both to desire and do what pleases Him, both to desire and to do and to know and become what He wants you uh, to be. And you need Him. You need Him. You can become cool-headed if you will first of all be saved, if you will first of all be born again through faith in Christ, if you will first of all receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, however your tradition says it. But it means come to Christ, be saved, turn from yourself and, co- and commit your heart and life to Jesus Christ. That is the beginning. That is the beginning. But some of us have been converted through faith in Jesus Christ, and yet we still find that we have sinful anger in us from time to time. What do we do? Now here we go. First of all, we receive Christ. Second, here you go. This is you and me. We recognize our anger. Write it down. Recognize our anger. We admit to ourselves, we admit to ourselves and to the Lord Jesus Christ and to our loved ones who have been the recipients of our red-faced rage. We admit to all of them that we have been sinfully angry. No excuses. No softening it that we have been sinfully angry, and that we have sinned against Jesus, and we have sinned against them, and this is what the Bible calls confession, confessing our sins if we confess our sins john first john one nine says he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, which Pastor Chad led us to do just a few moments earlier we recognize our anger, we confess it. So receive Christ, recognize our anger, confess it, and then here's the big word you wrote down earlier, we repent. We repent of our anger. That means we, we turn from it. We've changed our mind, we've confessed it. It means we, we turn from it. We take radical action, we uh, perform radical surgery, we stop making excuses for it. And uh, we do whatever it takes. Here's the, here's the language that the Bible uses in the book of Colossians. We rip it off like a filthy, stinking shirt. We cut it off like it was a diseased body part that was going to kill us if we did not amputate it. We realize this is life and death. We repent of it. Uh, here's the way Ephesians chapter 4 verse 31 says it. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. You can be set free from your anger and become a wise, cool-headed, slow-to-anger person if you will receive Christ, if you will recognize your anger, if you will repent of your anger. And then here's the next R. Ready? It is resist and renounce the devil. Resist and renounce The devil says, Oh, good grief, Pastor. I thought you were an educated guy. You believe in that devil? Yeah, I do. Why do you? Jesus did, and I'm going with Jesus. I'm going with Him. And uh, if you don't believe in Him, He's got you just where He wants you. He's got you just where He wants you. You renounce the devil. Listen to this. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27. It's on the screen. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. Look at the last phrase. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. And he's speaking of sinful anger. Sinful anger gives a foothold for the devil. And by your sinful anger over these years, you have given the devil a foothold in your life to do what he does best, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And that's what he's been doing in your life ever since. And so what do we do about that? Well, James chapter 4, verse 7 says it this way, Therefore submit to God, James 4, 7, Therefore submit to God, but resist the devil, and he will flee from you. What does that look like? Well, here's the way I do it. Again, when I, when I consciously, moment by moment, day by day, Deny myself, take up my cross, follow Jesus. I say, take control of my mind, my will, my emotions, my body, my soul, my spirit, my time, my talents, my treasure, my relationships, all my responsibilities to the best. I'm giving myself to you. I'm begging you to fill me, control me. You, You submit yourself to God. And then I tell devil to go back to hell where he belongs. That's my That's a quote. You get out of here, I resist you, you, I belong to Christ, I do not belong to you, you have no legal right to my life, you go back to hell where you belong. You resist the devil and the Bible says he will flee from you. You receive Christ, you recognize your anger, you repent of your anger, you you renounce and resist the devil and finally you rely on the Holy Spirit of Christ. I've already prayed a little bit about that. You be filled with the Holy Spirit moment by moment under the control and the guidance and the powering of God the Holy Spirit. This is God's intended norm for every follower of Jesus Christ. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. He indwells you. And um, so what you do is you consciously, intentionally, by faith, say, Lord, I, Holy Spirit, I give myself to you so you do what you say you will do. You control me, you empower me, you guide me, you possess me, you permeate me, you manifest your life through me, you think through me and speak through me and act through me and choose through me and feel through me and love through me and serve through me. To the best of my understanding, I'm giving myself to you in faith and I'm trusting that you're going to do it. And then you move on into your day assuming that he's doing what he said he would do. But you never stop yielding yourself to God, the Holy Spirit. For there, you don't have the power to defend yourself, but He does. You don't have the power to change, but He does. He does. So pray with me now. This has everything to do with God's power and His amazing grace in your life through the gospel. I'm going to ask our worship team to come on up. They're going to lead us in just a moment, but we're going to pray while they're coming. And why don't, where, why don't you, where do you need to start with this? Some of you need to start with receiving Christ. So right where you are from your own heart, repent of your sin. Put your trust in Jesus. Say, Lord, I put my trust in You. I turn from my sin. I believe You died on the cross in my place for my sin, that You rose from the dead and You're alive today to help me and I give my life in eternity to You. Thank you for coming into my life and forgiving me. Now help me become the person you want me to be. Others of you need to recognize your anger. Tell the Lord. Admit it to yourself. Admit it to God. Confess it. And as quickly as you can, confess it to the recipients of your red-faced rage who've been on the other end of you. Ask their forgiveness. And repent of it. Take radical action. Radical action. Some of you need to resist the devil. Renounce him. Tell him right now from your heart. You go back to hell where you belong. You have no place in my life. And others by faith. Now, consciously deny yourself. Put your hands and your life and your whole being into the control of God the Holy Spirit. For He says in Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 that the fruit of the Spirit, the result of God's presence of God's Holy Spirit in our life is self-control. You ask Him. So Lord, thank You for hearing these prayers. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information about Dogwood Church, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org.